Good morning, everybody that is on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, X, and Kick. Um, we are live and ready to start our podcast. You might be hearing us on one of our podcast services, so we really appreciate you listening there and downloading our podcast there. It really supports our stream, as well as liking and subscribing on Facebook. Um, once again, if you wanted to see us live we are on youtube facebook twitch kick and x if you have any disagreements or anything you want to talk about we have a text line that you can text us at and that's going to be at 833-262-6431 if you have any disagreements or anything that you would like to talk about again that is 833-262-6431 Make sure that you like and subscribe to one of our or com and comment on one of our YouTube videos. That way we can give you one of the Apostles Attic t-shirts. We are going to be doing a giveaway once we have a couple people that want to get into that, that giveaway. And that's going to be if you subscribe, comment, and like one of our YouTube videos. And we can shoot you a couple designs or we can make you a custom shirt, whatever you want. And... My name is Austin. I um I have a a YouTube channel called um MHTY is a it's a joke name <laughs> more humble than you official and um I'm doing a couple videos there. I'm going to start doing as much as I can there. Um just life is a little bit busy right now, but yeah, I'm going to try to start getting that up and going and other than that, I'm here on Faithful Dialogues with my buddy Ryan. Hi everybody, my name is Ryan, and uh, yeah, so I've got some stuff going on over with uh, AIIW.org, uh, so that's as it is written, and you can find me everywhere that uh, videos get put out, basically. And uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, I've uh, been growing my ex uh, audience this week. Oh, and Instagram really popped off, I had a uh, video that went over, got over a million views there, so that's uh, that was that was a lot of fun. Did I talk Ooh. about that last week? Or no? Um, I think so. Um, okay. It was the John McCart? Yes. No. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, his name is escaping me. He's a, uh, um, he does a lot of debates. I think he's a scientist. Uh, but yeah, so I, I already talked about him last week. You can go watch that episode for that. But, uh, yeah, so that's been a lot of fun. Uh, some personal stuff. Uh, my friend Kevin yesterday reached out to me. And uh, asked me for some prayer for his mother, who had been in a horrible car accident. Uh, this was amazing because he considers himself to be, or at least he used to be, an atheist. Uh, like an atheist Buddhist, from what I remember back in college. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he reached out, asked for some prayer, and then, um, you know, I prayed for him and went and put out some stuff on my different social media accounts. Got some other people praying for him as well. And, uh, he got, he, uh, came back and, and responded to me again, and, uh, the update that I got was that his mom's doing okay, uh, about as well as you Praise can expect. Praise God. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So I don't know if she's out of the woods yet or not, I haven't heard back from that, but her second surgery went really well. The first one wasn't looking so good, and then she had a second surgery that went really well. So praise God for that, and, uh, you know, even more amazingly, uh, you know, through all of this and apparently through some other stuff that he's been going through, he's a lot more open to the existence and the idea of God now than uh, than he used to be. So just keep praying for him and 
you know, uh, it's it's very what he what he mentioned is that because of the stuff that I was doing online and him seeing all of the videos that I make, apparently he found one of my channels. Um, he decided to reach out to me and ask for some prayer. So that was that was just very a huge cool. like uh, yeah, thank you. That was just a huge blessing for the ministry that I've been doing here online. Like even if that's the only thing that ever happens from it, that makes the entire year and a half worth of work <laughs> worthwhile. And and that's not the only thing that's happened from it, of course. But even if it were, that would be that would make it all worthwhile. Absolutely, yeah. Praise God that um, his mom is alive and recovering, and the surgery went well. And just remember to pray for our brother Kevin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, his mom's name is Anna. I think he wanted he wanted me to mention. That, so, okay. yeah, he's a he's a good guy. <laughs> just a little little bit confused on uh, what's going on in the spiritual world <laughs> yeah do you know anything about like the whole like buddhism thing do you know what like they believe like i have to look into this stuff but i don't really know anything about buddhism yeah uh the best way i can describe it is they don't have an idea of a creator god that has a personality and like a will of his own they're i don't know if the, i don't know i don't know exactly how their creation myth works but their idea is that the universe is kind of just in cycles. I think that, that essentially they believe in a steady state universe. It's kind of always existed and will always exist. And so basically okay. they believe in a cycle of death and reincarnation. And so as a human, I'm at the pinnacle of physical life. And so this is the highest that you can get. And if you do well in this life and you do the things that you should be doing that are i guess beneficial to the universe whatever that means um then you get to transcend the physical form and take on some kind of a spiritual form uh, or join with the universe is kind of how they would describe it and uh yeah so but oh and if you die as a human without obtaining this perfection you get sent back to live life as a lower life form you did something bad so you get punished oh, wow by going and living your next life as an insect or a bug or, you know, something, something gross. Interesting. It, it, it's kind of interesting that they're like, that basically if you do right in this life, then you end up um, uh, transcending into like the spiritual form or something like that. And it's kind of, uh, the, I, I always see like a lot of different religions as really close, but kind of far. So it's like in this life, what we believe as Christians, if you were to put your faith in Jesus Christ and repent and, you know, call on Jesus to be saved, then you end up um, when you die being like resurrected and glorified and you get to be with him. And so it's like really close, but they call it different things. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I can see what you're saying. And and that's that's true with a lot of religions. They're all really close, but it's just a little bit of a twist. And that's how Satan yeah. works, right? So. You know, uh, they all had the truth. All of us are descendants of Adam. Adam had the gospel in the garden already. He already knew that, you know, somebody was going to come from God and save us from the, the problems that our sin create, that his sin created. Uh, so Adam already knew that, and he was already, you know, he might not have been waiting specifically for a savior, but that, you know, so he knew to pass down those teachings, and he, he had walked with God. So he knew to pass that down to his children, but over time and, and through the manipulations of the devil, 
uh, as well as human uh, sinfulness, um, you know, that message gets corrupted and changed and twisted until you get Buddhism and Islam and, you know, Mormonism yeah. and all these other false religions. You know, they're they're all... And you'll notice that a lot of them have very similar flavors to them. You know, like Mormonism and uh, Islam are actually very similar. If you look at the base structure of their uh, religion and their faith and how they got their scriptures. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so... You know, the devil isn't reinventing the playbook with all these different false religions. He kind of just uses the same things that always work on humans over and over again. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Takes, um, takes like a little kernel of truth and mixes it in with a bunch of lies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Buddha, you know, Buddhism is probably the most alien. Of all the religions, it's probably the least. Though you can still see similarities like you were saying. Uh, it's, it's the most, like, especially to a Western mind, it's really weird. Yeah. All right. We are going to move into the gospel message really quick. Anything before I do that? Uh, no. So I'm glad we're moving into that. All right. <clears throat> so the gospel message, everybody, um, the gospel is essentially the good news. And the good news is that God has sent a savior to do something about our sin. He is effectively done something to where our sin can be wiped away and what i mean by that is he stepped into his creation as the person jesus christ and was born of the virgin mary which is a miracle and he lived the perfect life and willingly allowed his life to be laid down as a sacrifice on a roman cross that whoever should believe in him um, should not perish, but have eternal life. So essentially that's what John three sixteen is. You know, God mm -hmm. gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so <clears throat> if you believe that um, God sent a savior or the Messiah and that Messiah is Jesus Christ, that he lived a perfect life and died on the cross for our sins, was buried and raised to life by the Father on the third day, then you have a promise from a holy God that you will be raised to life when you die, or you'll be a part of the family of God and be raptured if he comes back soon, and that you will be with him in heaven. And so I just wanted to let everybody know that God absolutely is real. He loves you so much, and he loves you so much to the degree that he would step into his creation and die on your behalf so that his righteousness would be attributed to you and your sin, the sin of the world, would be attributed onto Jesus Christ on that cross. So if we believe in Jesus Christ, that he was the Messiah and that he died for our sins, and we call and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our hearts that he was raised by the Father on the third day, then again we have a promise from a holy God that we will be raised to life and have eternal life and exist with him eternally in heaven. All right, and that is the gospel message, and Ryan also has a message for us. Yes, so as a Christian, once you've accepted that free gift that Jesus paid so much for, what you can do is, uh, sorry, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to start living your life as a priest to your community. So a lot of people, a lot of different denominations, and even uh, slightly different sects of Christianity believe that there is a separate class of Christian called a priest, and that we're part of the laity, or kind of like peasants, and that's just not the case <laughs> at all. Uh, you know, Christians are what, described in the Bible as kings and as priests. 
of the Most High God. Uh, one of the places you can find that is Revelation 1.6. And what that means is that we are supposed to go out into our community. We're supposed to go out and spread the gospel. But we're also supposed to be here for the pain and the sorrow of the people that are around us. And, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful that God gave me the opportunity to minister to my friend Kevin. And I hope that he gives me the opportunity to minister to more of you that we're interacting with online. That's uh, that's the whole goal of, of this podcast. It's the whole goal of everything that I do online is to bring people to Christ. And, and once you're in Christ, to support you in your ministry going forward. You know, I think that there's a lot more space for Christians to take over on YouTube and Twitch and Kick and all those other places. And uh, I really just want to see that happen. You know, I, I've been noticing a lot more Christians stepping up and actually promoting and talking about their faith. Uh, one of the videos that we'll watch is from a podcast uh, called The George Janko Show. And uh, he's a guy who does a podcast with Logan Paul, one of the biggest uh, streamers or influencers, I, I guess, uh, you know, out there. And so, you know, he's having uh, conversations. He's even having, like, kerfuffles with Logan, Fall, Logan Paul over his faith and, and what that means and you know logan paul gets mad at him for different things and you know i'm sure george jenko's frustrated with logan paul for different stuff and you know just <laughs> just seeing someone be so completely open with their faith and with their beliefs is very refreshing online so be praying yeah, for him it, yeah yeah sorry go ahead no no you're good you're good i was kind of rambling <laughs> oh you're you're fine it, it's it's important to to talk about what we believe and and get our ideas out there because a lot of times if we have something that uh, might be um, wrong think that it, like like it's good to bounce that back and forth between somebody who actually is a little bit more versed and so that that's why I bring a lot of questions to you in in general because I um, I might read some scripture and get some ideas and then I'll bring it to you and you and then you'll tell me other parts of the Bible and other parts of scripture that like would conflict with my ideas that I'll have and so it's it's good to be open with our faith and what we what we believe that way we can actually get um the right information and get corrected where we need to be corrected and stuff like that you know yeah so absolutely. i imagine that's what's going on with uh logan paul when he is or uh, is he is he christian no Does he actually claim no, no he's not at all um he well and kind of what i was trying to say is that it's brought some tension to their podcast so like because of you know the strength of uh George's faith and and the fact that he won't back down from it uh I I think at one point I could be wrong about this but Logan Paul said that he, George needed to get therapy cuz he's a Christian and like something it was it was some crazy drama like 6 months or a year ago or something but uh you know he he's not a Christian he doesn't respect the the fact that George is a Christian from what I understand and so like I said that's brought some tension there I, I don't watch the Logan Paul podcast, to be completely honest. I just stumbled across clips of it. Um, so, you know, I don't want to be speaking out of turn too much. But, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, it's just incredible the, the opportunities that we have to reach people for Christ. You know, this could be seen by a million people for all, all we know. We can, at least we can hope and pray. <laughs> yeah, d uh, do you happen to know what his brother's name is? Uh, uh, Logan, Jake, Jake Paul. Jake Paul. So I'm not sure if it was I think it might have been Jake Paul but there was uh there was like a clip going around where like I think one of his friends became a Christian and he was like he kind of like gave him a hard time about it 
and basically was saying like um well i mean like what's jesus doing for you you don't look so good da, 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 da. and it was kind of like him giving him a hard time and then as it kind of went a around it showed a oh, it was logan paul yeah, oh, okay. you're, you're describing what I, you're, you have a little bit more detail on what I was talking about. Oh, okay. So basically he, yeah, he was, um, one of his friends came to Christ. Is that, is that Joe that you were talking about? Uh, George. His name's George. George. He, he's been a Christian most of his life, but I, I think at one point he started taking his faith a lot more seriously and kind of trying to make some changes in his life. Yeah, there. Um, my wife showed me a clip where basically Logan broke down and was crying and basically was saying God has always been there for me and stuff like that. And like it, it, it was interesting. I got to find that. But um, he, yeah, his friend, he was giving his friend like a, a massive hard time about it. And his friend was just like he just kind of stayed firm. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, basically uh, like Logan broke down and like had a moment where he realized God has always been there for him. And it, I kind of find that clip. We'll have to play that on the next episode. <laughs> I Yeah, I think I cut that up into a video like six months ago. So I'll have to go dig that up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's, you know, it, it, it's incredible how, you know, the just being steadfast in your faith and standing up for what you believe in, that can have such a, a, a huge impact on, you know, even unbelievers like Logan Paul, who, you know, he's got everything the world has to offer. But there's still a you know an emptiness a, a, a there's still something inside of him that tells him that he didn't do it all on his own. Um, you know a lot of things that when you're starting a new job a lot of times you'll feel kind of like an imposter when you first get started. Yeah. And and I think that you know without Christ you're kind of an imposter in everything that that you do in your life because you you know that you didn't work hard enough to earn everything that you've been given. There was something that you got either by happenstance or by the grace of God somehow, you know? And so there's always a space for you to look back in anybody's life and be like, oh, that was God working. You know, I couldn't have done that on my own. And so it's good to yeah. see George, you know, his faith and being steadfast in that faith caused Logan to go back and reevaluate his life and see the places where God was probably working. So I don't think Logan's a Christian at this point, but... You know, just having a friend that that's that's that faithful means that there's a lot. He's a lot more likely to come to faith, you know, at some point in the future. Hopefully, at least. Yeah. What is um? What are the? How does the verse go when I think Paul was basically saying, "Be prepared to give an account um, to anybody who asks about the faith that lies in you." Is it? Is that pretty that's, close? That's very close. That's about as good as I would do if I was gonna try to paraphrase it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's really important. Like I was, I, I've said a couple times to to know what you believe and believe what you believe. And that way, when people end up coming to you with questions, you're not just completely dumbfounded with, "Oh, I don't know, I don't know." And um, it, it's not a bad idea to to admit that you you know I I honestly don't know the answer to that. We should look into it together. That's that's got to be a, a really good positive when you don't understand something. But at the same time. If you dive into your faith and, and lean into your faith, I mean, it is your faith. It's important to lean into that, right? And so yep. when you start to get a little bit more knowledgeable and people hit you with these hard-hitting questions, it's um, it, it's just important. It's a good witness because people will see that you actually know what you're talking about and can provide answers to their questions, you know? Uh, and it's First Peter 3.15. 
always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. I don't know what translation yeah. that was. I just, oh, NIV. So not, not the best translation, but uh, yeah, you did a fine job paraphrasing that. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't Paul, it was Peter, but... Um, I'm sure yeah. Paul said something similar. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it, it's a pretty standard biblical principle that we are supposed to be ready to defend the hope that we have in Christ, right? Like, we have the, the most sure event that's ever happened in history. I'm, I'm more sure of that than I am my own name, as Chuck Missley likes to say. <laughs> uh, and, and technically, he's right. So uh, we could, you're, it's possible that you were switched at birth, just given the fact that most of us were born in a hospital. So technically, you can be more sure of Jesus Christ's resurrection than you can of your own name. <laughs> Oh, interesting. Uh, at least here in the United yeah. States, the way that we do birthing. And so, You're, yeah. You just put like 30 babies in a room and mm -hmm. <laughs> put tags on their feet. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, human beings are horribly evil and wicked and, and sick. And, you know, there's there's that nurse that recently got uh, outed out in Britain for like murdering babies. So what? I wouldn't. Yeah, it's it's a horrible story. I don't want to get too far into it. People are evil, so I wouldn't put it past nurses from doing weird stuff like switching babies or, you know, there's weird things that happen because human beings are involved in anything. On the topic of things being wickedly evil, I was hearing that I think it's in, I don't know if it's Norway, but it's one of those countries. They're starting to euthanize people. Like, have you have you been hearing oh, about ain't... this? It ain't Norway, bro. It's closer than that. It's Canada. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. Mm -hmm. So people, I've heard people like dementia patients have been yep. euthanized. They're starting to do voluntary, voluntary yep. uh, euthanization. Uh, it's so crazy. What, what will happen and what will probably be the most common version of this will be uh, what's happening right now, where if you are living off of government assistance or you can't um, provide for yourself, they will say that you're depressed and then give you the opportunity to uh, kill yourself through medical assistance and dying. Commonly referred Dang. to as MAID, M-A-I-D. Uh, yeah, it's horribly evil and wicked, and the, the exactly what every conservative said was going to happen because of the fact that they have socialized health care. And so when you have socialized health care, there's only so much money to go around and so they, the government programs are going to have to start trying to cut costs. And the best way to do that is to get rid of the people that are using your service. And it just so happens that the people that are using your service, the only way to get rid of them is to kill them. <laughs> so That's horrible. It, it is yeah. horrible. I, I'm, I know I chuckled there, but it's just so ghastly that, like, you know. It's hard it's, to believe. Yeah. And, and the fact that it's happening literally on our border, you know, there's there's Canadians that have died from made today. Probably it's crazy. Yeah. And I, I, I have heard that when it comes to the topic of babies, that if you think a baby might have like a horrible life, you can basically euthanize babies at this point over there in Canada or something like that. Like we'll have to, I don't even, that's, it's a super dark yeah. topic. I don't even know if we want to like, <laughs> like read the articles and stuff like that, but that's the, that's the evil that's coming out. Uh, yeah, I, I I haven't seen anything about the babies, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but yeah, I've seen their articles about you know people that have said that like, oh yeah, I'm just poor, 
and uh, I don't know how I'm going to pay for my rent next month. And Canada doesn't Canada doesn't want to pay for my uh, handicap like uh, uh, basically like accessories to your house that'll keep that'll help you like move around. So like some people who are in wheelchairs, if they live on a two story house, they'll put in like a little uh, stairway lift where it kind of you sit on it and it lifts you up the stairs. Um, instead of paying for those things, it's cheaper to kill people. So Canada would rather just euthanize that uh, person instead of paying for all the handicap equipment. So it's it's literally just the definition of like the most evil thing you could imagine, and it's the worst you know worst scenario you've ever seen in any of the sci-fi <laughs> shows you've ever watched. It's yeah, you, you know, it, it's incredible the dichotomy that I've seen in 2023. And I think it's because of this widening gap that people are starting to wake up. You know, you see these stories about this horrible evil happening with the Canadian government. You see all the people that are rioting in the streets and burning down buildings and the fact that justice isn't being done. And you see all this horrible evil in the world. And I think a lot of people are realizing that if there's such horrible evil and you know that it's evil, then there must be some kind of a good. And so... I know that at least uh, Adam Curry, the inventor of podcasting and uh, one of the podcasters I listen to on a bi-weekly basis, uh, he does a podcast called No Agenda, and, and recently he actually came to Christ. He and his wife uh, both uh, came to Christ and, and got baptized within the last, like, six months. So, wow, and that's he awesome. Mm-hmm. And he specifically was saying that, like, because he saw evil in the world— and because of how much more evil it is today than it has been the the entire rest of his life, that that kind of helped wake him up to the reality of God and that there must be some kind of a good. So Yeah, there can't just be one side of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so even the horribly wicked and evil things that, that happen in the world, God can twist and, and turn those to have some good outcomes from them, right? I'm not trying to minimize the pain and the suffering that other people have gone through because of these things and... and because of medical insistence in dying and all that other stuff. But there are people that are coming to Christ because they're seeing that and understand how evil it is. So there's there's always hope in Christ. Uh, you know, we still have the freedom here in the United States to come on here online and, and preach the gospel and hopefully try to wake some people up and, and help them to see that Jesus Christ is the is their savior and he's the only answer to the problems that you have. So yeah, there's no way, there's absolutely no way that all of this is just a, like a coincidence or mm -hmm. like like the fact that we exist, the fact that the universe is there, there's no way that it's a coincidence, there's no way that it happened on its own, and if if that's what you believe, then what's the, what's the point of anything you do? Like, I feel like without without God, without a resurrection, without an afterlife, without just any of those things then like what what is the point of literally anything yeah it, it just seems like everything is for nothing and everything all of your efforts are for nothing so it just it's it's super depressing to think that we we're just here and then we're gone and then that's just it that was your, that was your that was your life you know what i mean there's got to be more to this life you know so I, oh yeah I, oh yeah <laughs> and, and you know you came to christ recently uh, you know so so you, you you've had that kind of experience where you didn't have hope, and then it got given to you, right? Like, that's such a beautiful thing. Um, so, yeah, just be just be praying for the world and, and praying that, that God's sheep hear his voice and 
come to him. I, I think that there is a good possibility that we're, we're looking at... So in the history of the United States, we have had periods called Great Awakenings. I'm not sure if you learned about those in, in, in school. But uh, nope. so there, there was, there's been two of them so far in the United States, the first and the second Great Awakening. I think we might be on the precipice of a third. Uh, you know, it's looking real dark and bleak. But I think that there's a lot of people that are starting to kind of wake up and understand the evil that's in the world and, and that we need to step up and fight back against it. You know, the, the biggest, the, the best thing that's happened politically is the fact that, you know, parents are starting to go to school board meetings. We've got people that are going to city council meetings and, and Americans are just starting to get more involved at a local level. And I think that, you know, most people have generally Judeo-Christian values when it comes to things, you know, most people don't want to see kids mutilated with gender transition surgeries. Most people don't want to, most people don't want any of that stuff. And so I, I think that, you know, they went too far. That's, that's the, the problem with evil is that they, they push things too far and they go too fast and they, they overstep their, their bounds. So we can just be praying for that. I could be completely wrong. We might be living in a totalitarian state next year and, you know, <laughs> it, it's entirely possible that I'm wrong, but uh, we, we can hope and we can pray and work towards trying to bring everybody that we can to Christ. Yeah, I um, I we have an election coming up. That's uh, mm -hmm. that's huge. And um, politics really woke me up in 2020. And I just realized, like, um, just kind of paying attention because like a lot of people were saying, um, you know, Trump was the worst thing ever. And he he just every time he speaks it's terrible and all this kind of stuff and then i started someone my wife's mom ended up was just like you guys need to get involved you guys need to start waking up and paying attention ba basically um the like the other side of things like um was had a call to action basically trying to get their supporters to wake up and look at politics and start voting for them and i was like mm -hmm. okay well i gotta get slightly informed right and so i started just watching stuff and i i just realized that it was it was completely the the opposite of what everybody was saying the the side that i disagree with was saying that this well like that everything they were doing a bunch of evil things and a bunch of wrong things and a bunch of things that were going to be corrupt and mess up the country and i start paying attention and it's like completely the other side like I, I don't know how to put it but once i started actually paying attention to the stuff that was going on politically i just kind of realized that they're the ones kind of pulling the sheet over your head and they're the ones kind of sweeping things under the rug and they're the ones sandbagging um the co congressmen during these meetings and stuff like that and so I, i've just seen a lot of like political games that get played when it when it comes to the stuff that that's been going on and um and yeah so politics has uh really woke me up to the to the to the reality that there's people actively trying to tear down this country actively putting legislation that's mm -hmm. bad for our citizens just all kinds of stuff and so it's an intentional effort to just mess up what's going on especially like just with with so much different stuff man <laughs> so oh yeah yep yeah, it, it's and you know like like you said you know that's what woke you up it's it's waking a lot of people up and and you know, there's just a huge opportunity. What the Bible teaches is that the the fields are ripe and ready to be harvested, and and that we just need to go out and we need to 
to reap that harvest. And, and so, you know, the fact that you woke up at that point and so quickly in the next couple of years, you're already, like I said, when you, especially after uh, you were first saved, you know, you just had such a joy in going and telling people about the gospel and spreading the the word, you know, to continue that here online and, and having so much fun with what we do here. And, you know, the, the, it, it doesn't feel like this is a, uh, you know, a ministry or a, like, this isn't like a sacrifice when I come on the podcast and talk to my, one of my best friends, Austin, for two hours, right? Like, it's such a <laughs> blessing that we get to do this. It's such a blessing that it gets to have that impact, hopefully, on, on other people and, and, and we can, you know, hopefully reach some, some people that wouldn't have been reached otherwise. So it's just, it's beautiful to see that you come to Christ and, and start getting into that so quickly. Well, thank you, man. Um, it's, it's, um, it's just, it's just something that I, I've just been able to sense, like, there's no way, like, there's something else, there's something else to this reality, like, other than physical, there's, there's some spiritual aspect to this reality, and ba basically, I just wanted to know what that was, and all of that, all of your questions, and all of your concerns are answered in Jesus Christ, like, mm -hmm. I wasn't, I, I came I came to faith at like 25 so I wasn't somebody that was like just you know just spoon fed everything or like just swallowing the pill just because you know like I I had other thoughts I had other beliefs and I I believed what what the world taught and um, it just never sat right it just seemed kind of like something that it's like a it's like a, almost like a token you're like yeah the big bang yeah evolution okay sure that's what we believe and then it, it never kind of sat right but it, it to me it's so much more logical that that things have an intelligent design and we're here for a purpose and we have meaning to our life and like it, that there's something after this life because like it would be it would just be so messed up if that was just it I don't know how to <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to put that but mm -hmm. if, if there was nothing else after this life then I would just the question is there like it's begging the question like then what is my life for what is any of the effort for like I, I you know what I mean so if I yeah. if I were to set up my kid like let's say I did really good in this life and I wasn't a Christian and I had a really nice house I'm gonna pass on to my kids I got a couple cars I'm gonna give them once they turn 16 I got them into college you know what I mean they're doing well for themselves and now I'm about to die and stuff like that it, it like what what was if if my son's gonna die and my grandson's gonna die and it's all just it it just seems like pro, pro like the, mm -hmm. the depressing thought it's just like prolonging the inevitable that we're all just gonna be dead and it's all gonna be pointless and so it's nice to know that like we're gonna be together in heaven with our with our uh, loved ones and everything like that and so I again it just means nothing if there is no God and there is no resurrection. It's all pointless. If <laughs> so, yeah. um, uh, you know, and I just had a question for you that kind of popped into my head while you were while you were talking. So you you know you were saying that like now it just disappeared. I'm sorry. Never mind. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Uh, it's one of those things. Um, but yeah, it's oh yeah yeah. So uh, it's funny. A couple months back or a couple weeks back there was a group of atheists that were getting mad at me and they were getting mad at me because all I said was based on your worldview, there is no good or evil. There's no reason why I shouldn't lie or steal or cheat or kill other than the government's going to put me in jail. And they basically were like, no, we're good people. And I'm like, no, you, your, your whole belief system says there's no good or evil. There couldn't possibly be. There's no God. But they're like, no, I'm a good person. 
<laughs> I'm just like sitting here like I have a bunch of atheists arguing with me that they're good people. <laughs> well, what's the point of good and what's the point mm -hmm. of evil and how do those ideas even exist if we if we're just here like coincidentally through, you know, uh, random processes and stuff then then how does good even become a thing? How does that mm -hmm. concept become a thing? And uh, yeah. Well, and it was it was funny cuz what I was saying is that if it weren't for God, I would be unhinged, you know, I would be going out and doing whatever I thought I could get away with, right? If there wasn't any kind of morality, if there wasn't a standard that I had to, I don't have to meet the standard because I can't and, and I've already failed and sinned, but because I have a savior that sacrificed so much for me, I now, you know, am obligated to a certain extent to go and live my life the way that he wants me to live, right? And so... You know, from that perspective, I should be trying to do as much good as I can. But if Jesus didn't exist, if there was no God, if we all just existed here and, and the universe is just going to keep on chugging whether I'm here or not, you know, why shouldn't I go out and steal a couple thousand dollars here and there as long as it's not, as long as I don't get caught? There's no reason I shouldn't do that. And so I was just yeah. explaining that to them and they got mad at me. <laughs> yeah, because like, ultimately, where does your morality come from? Why mm -hmm. should we not steal? Who says we shouldn't steal? Did you say that? And one one of yep. the funny, it's it's well, we shouldn't steal because I have the right to my own property. Who gave you that right? Like, where where does the right to have your own property come from? Did you give yourself that right? Are we giving each other rights now? Like, can we? Can yeah. I give myself rights? I give myself the right to take away your stuff. So <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's it basically comes down to like who said what and where did it come from? And so. There, the morality doesn't exist outside of God because He's the one that established it. Mm -hmm. So that's what's that's what I think that's what's hard for them to understand is they don't even realize that they're borrowing from God so hard when they say that they're a good person and we believe in good and evil. Yep. You know. Exactly. Well, and it's it's you know it's funny that like you go and so the next you know basically if you think if you believe in evolution you believe that we're an animal no different from any other animal on this planet. And you go and you look at how the animals act. They don't act with morality. They don't act with, you know, laws that are guiding them. That's a kill or be killed scenario. You're out there. You're going to either get eaten or you're going to eat somebody else. You know, so Same for yourself. Yeah, that's how it would be with humans. If it weren't if there weren't something different about us, if we if if God didn't exist and didn't, didn't give us commands, that's how we should be is just like the rest of nature. But he did, of course. And so that puts different, uh, you know, a different uh, weight to our actions. So, sorry, you were about to transition into something. Oh no, I I was gonna chime in, but I oh, okay. uh, don't even know where I'm at anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well that was a that was a great conversation. Do we want to move on to the next block? Yeah, let's go ahead, and I think we're gonna do proverbs. We're reading. Okay. Oh yeah, that's what we're reading first now. Good call. Okay, so we're in Proverbs. We're at verse 10. Let me get that. There we go. Okay. So, uh, Proverbs, verse 10. Uh, we're going to go through 19. Uh, sorry, chapter 4. four chapter 4. Chapter 4. Yes, thank you. Uh, it says, Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. 
Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go in. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. Uh, they are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. All right, and that was Proverbs chapter 4, 10 through 19. And um, what's interesting is it, um, hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life be me- uh, may be many. And it, it, it's kind of like, is that kind of like saying if you if you live by God's standards that you'll actually increase like your life or you just won't come into problems? <laughs> like, what is it kind of saying there? That's, uh, it's funny that you bring that up. We had a very similar discussion last night at Devoted uh, about a different passage. But it, it basically... Was it in Proverbs? Had, uh, no, I think it was in... Uh, no, it's in uh, uh, Exodus. It's the Ten Commandments. So we were, we were, we're in um, Ephesians right now. And as part of Ephesians 6, I believe is where we're at, uh, it, it references something that takes you back to uh, the Ten Commandments. Oh, it says that the, the, there's the, it says the first commandment with a promise. And that's um, the, uh, that's the command to honor your father and mother. And it says something similar where it says, you know, that the years of your life may be many, something like that. It's not that it's those exact words, but it says something like, if you honor your father and mother, you're going to live a better life is a massive paraphrase of what it was saying. Um, and so it's just funny that you bring that up here and so we were we were just questioning, you know, is it something that is a is is it a blessing that God is going to give you and and uh, he'll uh, you know supernaturally elongate your life or does it mean that you're going to live a better more fulfilled life while you're here on earth? Um I think it's both. I think that you know while you're here on earth the life that you live will be much more satisfactory to you, okay? So if you accept what God teaches, you are going to have much more peace while you're walking here on earth. You may not live a long life, right? The, uh, the thief on the cross didn't live a long life because he accepted the words of Jesus, okay? He lived a very short life after that. Um, but what he, the long life that he will get is he will be resurrected, he will have a physical body, and he will get to walk the earth with Jesus Christ for a thousand ah. years during his reign. So I think it's both. I think it's you're going to have peace and and maybe not prosperity by worldly definitions with you have, where you have a lot of money, but you're going to prosper in the things that you do. You're going to affect people. You're going to reach people. Okay, um, but and you will live a long life with Christ because we will be living with Him eternally. So I I think it's kind of both. Okay, I um I also kind of have the idea that. The way God kind of programmed us is that if we're over here, I mean, the the way I would put this is, you know how it says, like, do not be anxious about your life because, like, who can add an hour to their mm-hmm. life by being anxious? And I've heard that, like, medically, the people that stress out and have tons of anxiety don't live as long. And so I'm wondering if you're over here living a life that is outside of God or just in an unwise way that it causes you to think about it and you're kind of stressed out even though mm-hmm. you're doing it 
and it kind of shortens your life a little bit if you're over here uh, like always stressing about stuff like if you're stealing from people you're stressed about people stealing your stuff if you're lying to people you're worried about other people lying to you and how am I going to get my next meal and like uh, how am I going to make this happen and stuff like that and so I mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like if you rely on God and you live by the way that he wants you to live you'll have that peace that will you know, alleviate your stress and anxieties and allow you to kind of live a little bit longer. So I wonder if there is an actual like physical um, correlation there to like, you know, if you if you accept God's words and live by them, that you actually might not shorten your life a little bit, you know? I definitely think that it, it does have some health benefits, but it's always possible you, you know, you get shot in the head tomorrow, right? And so like... Yeah. You know, it's, it, it is, it's yeah. not directly promising that in this life with our corrupted body that we are going to necessarily live longer, right? Like, my dad was a Christian. He, he walked with the Lord. I think uh, he had, a, had an incredible relationship with God. But he got taken, we think, early, uh, you know, from, from cancer in his mid-50s. So, you know, it, it, there, there isn't a promise that you won't have hardship. There isn't a promise that... Your your dad, who's a Christian, right, who won't get sick and won't have, uh, you know, complications and problems from that. So, you know, I don't want to send the wrong message that, you know, you become a Christian and it's going to be happy-go-lucky for the rest of your life. You're just going to live a good life and no one's ever going to stress you out or cause your problems or, you know, that's that's not what the Bible teaches. But if you're obeying God, if you do the things that he wants you to do, you're going to be in the places that he wants you to be. And he's going to give you the strength to get through that. Yeah. And um, then you you just don't have to worry about, um, I mean, then you're doing the right thing. You don't have to worry about that. And at the same time, people are going to come against you because, like, they hated Jesus first. So how much, you know, are you, are you not going to be subject to that same thing? Like, if they hated God, then why wouldn't they hate his followers? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so that's why yep. you're going to have a little bit of a, a hard time there. Um, I, but the other, so. the other thing I, I can't stress enough is uh, we all, what, what the Bible teaches abundantly is that you reap what you sow. Okay. So just because you're a Christian, if you're doing things that are going to cause you to get cancer later in life, like, uh, you know, that God is not going to stop that from happening just because you're a Christian. Does that make sense? So, yeah, you know, my, my dad got some horrible sunburns, especially as a kid and young adult. And that led to him, unfortunately, getting skin cancer. Right. So oh. I, I'm not saying he did the wrong thing. It was the 70s. They didn't quite understand things the way we understand stuff now. I'm not saying that he did that to himself or anything like that. But I'm just using that as a as an example to say, like, when you do things to your body, God's not going to necessarily stop that from having the consequences in this life. Now, I have an assurance that he's in heaven, he's with God, he's going to get a new body when Jesus gives them all to us. I'm going to be with him again, so I don't have to mourn him the way that someone without hope mourns the dead. But, again, the, con the things we do here on this, in this life have consequences and are going to cause things, even in our own bodies, that we might not want. So. Yeah, I, it's kind of like if you, it's like, playing with fire and expecting God to prevent you from getting burned. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, if, if, if a Christian kid is playing with matches, they're, they're going to get burned the same way that a, that a non-Christian kid would. So, you know, there, there's this idea or this like 
fairy tale version of Christianity that some atheists and different people get in their heads that we think that our lives are just going to be perfect and we're not going to have any hardship. And, and that's just not what God's promised us. He has promised us that we will have hardship, but that we get to put that burden onto God and that he's going to help us bear that load. Yeah, and you might you might think because you're looking at Christians and a lot of them seem just at peace that they, they might seem like they have everything together and they have like not a care in the world, but it's just... There's always stuff going on that on a deeper level that they're struggling with, but you might think because they don't go out there and put it out there all the time that, you know, this is what I'm struggling with, this is what's hard for me right now, that you that they're like, oh, Christians just have a better life or they don't have problems and stuff. And it's it's just that the problems that they do have, they, they have a hope, you know, they have peace with the problems that they're, they're dealing with, you know? Mm-hmm. Well... I think a lot of people have kind of a leave it to beaver idea of Christianity that, you know, uh, you know, you become a Christian and you think that you're going to live in this kind of fairy tale world. And it's just, it's just not the case. So, you know, uh, yeah, that was a wonderful passage from Proverbs. Was there anything else specifically in here that you wanted to cover? It was basically kind of about what we were talking about. Like, you know, don't walk in the way of the evil. I think that seems pretty self-evident to me, you know, that that's kind of like, duh <laughs> you know we probably shouldn't be doing the things that evil people do but uh I, you know it's it, i can see why it needs to be in the bible because there are people that might do evil but they see this and read that and actually turn away from it so you know i'm, I'm glad that yeah. every line yeah sorry go ahead no no you're good you're good uh i, I was just gonna say so like there's a there's this little from 14 to like 17 talks about like this this wicked person that um has to like hold on I'll read it do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil avoid it and do not go on it turn away from it and pass on for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong they are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble that's mm. really interesting to me there's there's other translations that basically say like evil people can't sleep until they've done some their evil deed for the day or something like that and so it's it's interesting that it's basically saying that those evil wicked people they don't feel comfort unless they've done something wrong or they 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 basically don't sleep right until they've made somebody else stumble which is kind of interesting because i i've almost like observed people that are like that that like everything's fine and they go around looking to just mess with somebody Do you yeah. know what i mean yep <laughs> Everybody encounters those people, and, and you know, again, it's incredible that uh, such an ancient text has such relevant, modern, like, answers to problems that we face even today. And that's that's because we were created by God, and that while we're slowly degenerating through entropy and, and that sort of thing, we're still basically the same kind of thing that we have always been, which is, a, you know, a sick and evil and twisted, you know, being that needs God for guidance and to be saved ultimately yeah i had to look at what entropy means what oh is, sorry is... <laughs> so entropy is it's a scientific term it refers to uh, the same thing as the second law of thermodynamics and what it says is that in a closed system everything uh goes from a state of ordered more ordered to less ordered okay so it goes from a state of order into a state of chaos and so uh, that's that's what the second law of thermodynamics or entropy is. And basically it says that 
God created the world perfect. Man caused sin to enter into that creation through our actions. And then because of that, since then, everything has been getting slightly worse day by day by day by day. I believe for the last about 6,000 years. Everything's just like winding down and cooling down and degrading, yes. kind of? Exactly. 100% okay. exactly. You you got it. So, you know, I, I think that uh, that that holds true for what we see in the universe. The uh, evolutionary scientists don't have any answer for this. So the biggest reason that I don't believe in evolution is because of entropy. There is no way to go from no information and nothingness to get information, information from it. Okay? That's not how yeah. the universe works. Uh, you know, I... Uh, so, it, it's just not how it works. And so, what we see is that when we when we study the universe, we actually find confirmations that it was created by God. So, just recently, uh, astronomers doubled the age of the universe. And the reason they had to mm. double the age of the universe is because there were galaxies that were too well-formed that were too far away from us. And so their models and their predictions all said that, yeah, the universe is about 13.8 billion years old. Uh, we should see, you know, galaxy, proto-galaxies start forming at X date. We should see fully formed galaxies start popping up by Y date. When in the reality was it was X times 2, Y times 2 for how old these galaxies were. And so they were twice as old as what they thought. So there was a, a galaxy called the Methuselah galaxy, which they, a term they stole from the Bible. Name. Uh, and the reason they named it that is because Methuselah is the oldest man in the Bible. And this was the oldest galaxy that we had found. And uh, it was 20 billion years old or like 25 billion years old, supposedly. And at the point where we found it, we only thought the universe was 13 billion years. <laughs> so that caused some problems for scientists. It's just incredible to me how flimsy science is a base to stand on because it's constantly changing. You know, if you went and looked at your, even your high school uh, science textbooks, like I said, they literally just doubled the age of the universe like last month. So your high oh. school science textbook is already out of date. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so it, it it begs the question: What if science gets to the point where it proves God and everything is out the window except for God? Well, and you know? and I don't think that the modern iteration of science will do that. The the there are too many people that are too dead set in their atheistic ways for that to to happen. I think in a modern scientific setting, but like that's... Cur curtail the information to where it never does that exactly. Um, but you go and you look at it and science was made by Christians. They, they used to call theology, the queen of the sciences, as I think Christian mentioned when he was here a couple months back. So, you know, it, it's very interesting to see the, the clash between science and reality these days where scientists have to maintain their worldview despite what the evidence is showing them. So, you know, the, the basic tenet of science today and, and how it's been for the last few hundred years is the steady state theory. Everything's always been, everything's always going to continue to be. And so that's gotten... That's the Buddhist thing. Basically, yeah. It's And so uh, 1800s, that's what scientists believed. And so they they thought, you know, light's always been the same speed, everything's always been the same. 
these 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 natural forces couldn't possibly have changed because the universe doesn't change and it's always existed well lo and behold in the 1900s we discovered uh the fact that the universe is expanding and so um you know that led to the theory of the big bang and kind of destroyed it should have destroyed that whole world view where they claim and that and they think that everything's in this steady state when the reality is that things are constantly changing and the idea that the speed of light is impossible to be changed isn't some isn't some inherent fact of the universe that's just something that scientists believe because they want to right there is no uh -huh. the, when you go and you do math so so math is kind of the language of science and so when you go and you do the math actually what you can see is that uh the the speed of light could be variable and that the math would still check out and it would still work and so these ideas that everything's always been going at the same steady state is just complete bunk so the idea that uh one of the things that scientists use to date stuff is radio uh is uh carbonating yeah so they use carbon dating and so at a certain pace that we've measured for the last hundred years we think carbon decays at a, at a certain rate. Well, we've only been measuring the decay of carbon for about 100, maybe 200 years, right? So we've only had even remotely reliable data for about 100 years, and we're trying to claim as human beings that this rate has stayed the exact same for 13 or now 20, 26 billion years. We've only studied it and measured it for 100, but we want to extrapolate out and say that that 100 years is representative of what it would have been 13, 26 billion years ago. And it's just... That's just it, too convenient, and it makes it, the math too easy. <laughs> and and based on their presupposition with the steady-state universe, I can see why they would believe that. But now that we've thrown out this steady-state universe idea for the Big Bang, we should be going back and reevaluating all those other long-held beliefs, but we don't. And so... You know, I sound like a complete insane person to anybody that's a scientist when I say that I think that the speed of light is variable. <laughs> that, and if you go talk to any astronomer, any physicist, any biologist even, and you say that you don't think that the speed of light has always been this, has always been 186,000 miles per second, you, you're an insane person and they completely disregard you. But more and more, what we're finding is that things are not steady. Things are not, you know they don't they don't just happen the way that scientists think that they do so yeah it's it all i think all the greatest ideas and discoveries have come out of not going in like challenging the scientific consensus so like it's weird that people just want to fall into that and be like this is the safe place i just got to believe what these other people believe but like yep. you would learn more about the universe around you if you challenged all of that stuff and worked out the math and did more experiments and stuff instead of just rolling with the crowd in that way. Yep. That's kind of what the, it seems like. The, the problem is, is that there are scientists that are dead set in their beliefs because that's where their funding comes from. So if you've been funded to, you know, study the Methuselah galaxy, well, you need that Methuselah galaxy to be uh, special. You need it to, you know what I mean? It needs to fit in with everything money. else. It's all money. Everything, it, it, follow the money works 100% of the time. Uh, we can go with a completely different subject, and we can talk about uh, uh, the fatherless homes. Fatherless homes is a money problem. We give incentives to women to leave men 
and and uh, we'll pay the we'll pay you money. We'll pay you more money for the number of kids that you have. And so it incent it, it is a perverse incentive and causes problems to occur that wouldn't have occurred otherwise. So yeah, it, I heard you know, that they would send people around to homes to check if there was like a man in the home, basically to take away your funding. So yeah. you were like, you had to completely make sure that you did not have a man in the home or you were going to lose your, your welfare. Exactly. And so follow the money works literally anywhere human beings are involved. <laughs> yeah. It's my only point in bringing that up. Right. Like, so, cause that's you the know, incentive. And so like, if you want to figure out what's going on in Washington, go look where all the money's at. You want to know why we're at war in Ukraine? It's because there's hundreds of billions of dollars going to the most corrupt country on the planet, and that money is not going to get spent uh, fighting the Russians 100%. There's going to be billions of dollars that are siphoned off to all sorts of crazy people, right? So, like, the evil in the world follow the money works 100% of the time. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's sad that... That, that you know you can't serve god and money or you'll you'll love one and hate the other you can't serve two masters right yep. so it's it's really interesting how the devil has used money to just completely ruin people's convictions and that they um how would i put this they they're willing to give up or compromise a lot of themselves just for money and at at the end of the day it's all for nothing and then you just tarnished everything behind you but you're dead yep. so it doesn't matter to you <laughs> well and and not to uh to not throw other churches under the bus like there's a lot of churches uh prosperity gospel that's based on money and trying to collect yeah. money from you and you know the the crazy scams where pastors will say give me 10 bucks and god will give you a hundred and you know those hor those are that's horribly evil that's wicked. And Special wrong, blessing and will that. come your way. <laughs> yep. Uh, I also condemn, you know, the the Catholic Church's hoarding of wealth. I think that that's wicked and evil as well. Uh, you I don't look even at, know about that. Well, I mean, it's so <laughs> it's so funny that you say that. You you do know about that. You go and you look at the Vatican, all their art, all of their they have literally all of the most valuable things in the entire world. Okay, they're the largest landowner on the planet. Like, the fact that they're asking for you to still tithe and give them money in order to fund their operations is insane. They could sell... Yeah, they want more stuff. Literally, they could sell half their stuff, set up an endowment, and then literally just run the church off of that for the rest of eternity. And that's not even with God's help. Like, they could literally just do that. <laughs> but they don't because they like having all of their stuff. You know, the Pope likes sitting on his giant golden throne he likes going into the sistine chapel and looking up at the ceiling and seeing that's you know that painting from uh, you know 500 years ago or whatever right like there are the those things do not help anyone in their faith they're not bringing anyone to christ they could be sold and the money could be used to feed some poor people but instead the catholic church has to get money from you and from your friends and from your mom and her last two mites to pay for their salaries Ugh, that's crazy. I also saw that thing that uh, with the with the Pope blessing marriages that were anti-biblical and stuff like that. Like, oh I, yeah, what I don't have you shared that with our our Catholic friends? Do no. they know that this is going on? They do. Uh, they they're not dumb. They they know what's going on with their church. 
they see all the things that are, are wicked and evil about it, and they decide to ignore them or, you know, do what they're going to do. They say the same thing about us, you know, ignoring the opulence and the clear truth of the Catholic Church, and, and I, I understand where they're at. I, I pray for them. I wish there was more that I could do, but, you know, going up and, and beating them over the head with this stuff every day, I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily the best, uh, best outreach at this point, unfortunately. Yeah, that's true. Because, like, it, you know, all, all that happens, is, so let's say that I go hang out with my friends, and I'm like, hey, the Pope is gay now, <laughs> you know, he, he wants to promote homosexuality, right? Uh, they're just going to be like, no, he doesn't, he didn't mean that, it's in Latin and it's getting translated wrong, and priests can always bless whoever they want, and God won't actually do the blessing if it's not, you know, if it's sinful, or blah, 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 like, they would just come up with a million excuses. So, um, and, and there's a, there's a thing in humanity, in human brains called cognitive dissonance. Have you heard that term, term before? Just like, it's not, just from the words, it just sounds like your brain doesn't want to allow you to believe something because you're so convict, um, you've gone down a road for so long that you kind of like, <laughs> don't want to believe it. I don't you're, know. You're, you're, you are like very very close that was that was right there on the green about to put it in for golf terms <laughs> but uh basically what cognitive dissonance is is it's a a condition that human beings have where th they're so dead set in in an idea that they have that no matter what you say to them they're going to refute it and then spit back out nonsense to you so if i say hey the pope's gay now and i don't actually mean he's gay i mean he supports homosexuality which is a fact but if I say that to them, right, they're not going to respond with a well-reasoned, articulated response because there isn't one. What they're going to do is they're going to short-circuit a little bit and then make up a random response that doesn't sound like it's responding to anything or makes any sense at all. I do this on things. Everybody's had a, a moment where they've had some cognitive dissonance, and it's very difficult for you to see that in yourself when you have it, but... Now that you know that it exists, look for people short-circuiting and then giving you some weird random answer that doesn't seem to make any sense at all. That is a sign that this, the person is under cognitive dissonance. Kind of like they've been on the team so long that they're just going to defend it because they're on the team. Exactly. You know, so that's And so, yeah, it's just, that's just a basic thing about humans. We don't like to change the way that we think and... We will. Uh, we have defense mechanisms to stop us from changing the way we think. Where literally your brain just kind of breaks for a second. <laughs> not really. Yeah. Your brain's not broken in like a medical sense, but it's almost like you know when your computer glitches and kind of like stops for a second and then like restarts and then starts going again. It's kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, I um I've seen that a lot in the political sphere where mm -hmm. uh you can point some something that happened or point some truth at somebody and they'll um they'll just dodge or like you said they'll just make a bunch of excuses for something instead of just being aware of the thing that's actually going on right in front of their face they'd rather just be like well no well no because mm -hmm. of this and yep yeah. and, and and that would have been me about george bush back in 2007 right like i would i was defending the iraq war despite all of the like very apparent evidence and you know all that kind of stuff. So I'm not I'm not trying to say that I'm special and I'm some cognitive dissonance avoiding machine and I you know I've never I've never had that happen to me. It's it's happened to me. It's happened to everybody. 
uh, it's just something to be aware of. And and not even in yourself. I'm not even claiming you can find it in yourself because your brain's literally like almost glitching for a second. Um, but look for it in other people and, and just have compassion and understanding on, on people that that are stuck in that, right? And pray for them. Yeah, just be open and willing to observe the like facts or the truth or just information that's coming your way. And I guess being objective is probably the best way to avoid that is actually looking at things objectively so you don't fall into that trap, you know. Well, and the and the best thing you can do is you can search the scriptures daily, right? So uh the Bereans they searched the scriptures daily so that they could check what Paul was teaching them, right? But we also need to search the scriptures daily so we can check all of the information against that that we get. So if you are in Christ, if you're reading the Bible and you're, and you're learning about what God wants you to learn about and being open to the information that he's going to provide you, that's going to, to protect you from a lot of these problems. So, Yeah. And, and you know, all the right. basic principle there is fill yourself with good info and the bad stuff will kind of come out the top. You know what I mean? Like... When you're filling up a cup, uh, if you have soap in it, uh, you can just keep filling it with water. The, the soap all rises to the top, and then eventually, if you filled it with enough water, there's no more soap in it. So that's that's kind of how it is with with biblical knowledge. You can have a bunch of you know wicked, evil thoughts in your brain, but if you're filling your brain up with good, wholesome words from God, discussions with your friends and family who are Christians, those sorts of things that are that are good for you that's going to help get rid of all that bad stuff and, and have it rise to the top and flow out. That makes sense. It, um, it's, it's like you only have a capacity for so much information on your shorthand. Mm-hmm. So like if you constantly fill your shorthand information with like good stuff, then I mean, you might have some like things from your past or some long-term stuff that you think about and stuff like that. But like ultimately everything that you've been intaking is going to be, you know, truth and biblical and, and it's exactly. going to purge out all that other stuff. Yeah. And, and to mix metaphors a little bit, right? Like the lens that you're looking at those old evil things and those old things that you used to do is going to be different when you've been filled with the knowledge that Christ wants you to have rather than yeah. what you want to have. Yeah. Uh, we never did our John reading, did we? <laughs> we still haven't gotten. No, that. let's go ahead and <laughs> let's go ahead and move on into John. If you're still with us or if you're tuning in right now uh we are going to be reading john chapter 5 verse 30 and i think we're going to finish the chapter just so we can keep moving on through this gospel so grab your bibles and pull it out to john chapter 5 verse 30 we are going to be reading from the english standard version the esv all right right. do you care if i read this one if you want go on ahead all righty All right, so let me get ready for it. All right, so here we go. And the little uh, paragraph thing right here says, A witnesses to Jesus. Um, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater 
Ah, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I'm going to going the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive the glory from one how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But you do not believe his writings. How you, how will you believe my words? Amen. And so that that was John 5.30 through 547 and this is another reason why i like the uh, nlt is because some words are put in a way mm. it's kind of like just trips me up a little bit but <laughs> <laughs> you did a great um, job reading it so but uh, <laughs> thank you it's it's really funny we were talking about cognitive dissonance and then we read this passage in the bible that's about a bunch of people that are having cognitive dissonance so if you look at who he's talking to these are not people that are um Un unlearned okay these are, are some of the most learned people there i think he was talking is he talking to the pharisees or who is he talking to i believe i believe so um so you know if he is uh you know these people know the scriptures they they know all of the prophecies that jesus is in the process of currently fulfilling okay and they were tasked the, the whole point of the nation of the jews the reason that they existed was so that jesus christ could come about it was so that they would there would be a bloodline that Jesus Christ could be born into that was that was still perfect in its generations. Okay, so Noah was perfect in his generations. That's why he was able to be saved from the flood and how he was able to restart uh, humanity with his sons. Okay, and then through that Jesus has kept you know somebody has kept the created the Jewish people so that he could provide a savior for us. Okay, and so. You know, that's that that is what the Old Testament was set up to do. It was set up to to have a people that a could have the genealogy for Jesus ready to go, but also have the knowledge of Jesus so that when he came back, he was uh, honored in the way that he want he needed to be honored. Well, they didn't exactly fulfill what they should have and done what they should have done. But God can use that anyway and, and has provided us with Christianity now. But if they had known the time, they had known the day and the hour that Jesus was supposed to come back and had seen the signs, like the Magi saw, then uh, we would be, we, it would have happened completely differently. They would have had the Messiah that they wanted. He ultimately would have come and, and, and conquered the world. But because they didn't see him, because they, couldn't, they, they weren't being faithful to the, the scriptures, they couldn't have those blessings and they're actually accursed. You know, that generation is worse than Sodom and Gomorrah because... They saw the signs of Christ and didn't repent. Interesting. Yeah, okay. So because because Jesus was in their midst and was preaching to them, they're, they're worse off in the generations that didn't have him. Is that kind of what you're saying? 
Well, exactly, because they have Jesus and they have all the prophecies, okay? They have the Torah. They have the prophets. They they were supposed to be aware of the signs of the coming Messiah, but they couldn't see that. They couldn't see him in the scripture because of the wickedness in their own heart. And so they had all these crazy theories that there's two messiahs. There's still Jews today still have that belief that there's two messiahs, yeah. right? That there's the coming savior and the suffering uh, servant. Okay. There's one person that's going to come and, and kick the, at the time they would have thought the Romans out. Um, and then there's another one that will come and suffer and die when in reality, that's the same person, Jesus Christ. But because of the own wicked, their own wickedness in their own hearts, they couldn't understand those prophecies the way that they should have to see Jesus in their midst. And so unfortunately they're suffering a worse consequence and a worse fate because of that, except for the, you know, the, the thousands of people that came to Christ after his death and resurrection. You know, there were thousands of people in Jerusalem that actually became Christians, but everyone else, unfortunately, uh, you know, is, is suffering in hell. I, I hate to um, say it, but. One of the things that I always was interested in was when, when it says that the father bears testimony of him. Oh, yeah. And so at first I thought, like, I, I almost didn't understand it. I thought of it like a super cop-out. Like, uh, so he, he's like saying, like, I, I, if I were to give my own testimony, you know, um, then it wouldn't be true. But mm -hmm. there's another that bears testimony about me. And I was always like, how, how does the father bear testimony about Jesus? And then I kind of think, and I'm going to bounce this back on you. Um, is it because the father said that the Messiah was going to do X, Y, Z, and then Jesus comes doing X, Y, Z. And so that's the testimony on Jesus that he would fulfill the prophecies. So that's exactly what happened, right? The prophecies were exist when were given by God, the father to Moses and the prophets. And then, um, you know, we see Jesus come into being and, and be born to, you know, the Virgin Mary, the way that it was said. But the reason why it's so important, the reason he's using the, the specific word testimony is it's, it's a legal, um, it's a legal phrase. Okay. So when we're talking about testimony, uh, in the Jewish culture, you cannot accept the testimony of a single witness. You have to have two or three or more witnesses that all have the same story in order for there to be a legal case against someone. Okay. And so from, a, and this was very like, so imagine you're in ancient Israel. They don't have DNA evidence. They don't have fingerprints. They don't have video cameras. They don't have pictures. They don't have audio recordings. Okay. So how do you try someone? How do you have a trial when you don't have any of that evidence that we take for granted today in the 20th or the 21st century? And that's a, yeah. that's a question. How do you have a trial? Well, the only way to have a trial is if you have at least two different people say the exact same story with the exact same facts and, and claims. Okay. If you get two, if you get two people that tell slightly different stories, well, you have to throw that out because people lie, right? Human beings are evil liars. And so you can't just trust somebody's testimony in court. At that point, they had to go with two or three witnesses. And so, okay. So it that's was why a, it's like they were told not to bear false witness. Cause you can actually get somebody murdered or oh, like, yeah. killed because mm -hmm. you were lying. Uh, I, I think that the personally, I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't include lying, but I think the, Bear, uh, yeah, yeah, never mind, I'm sorry, bear false witnesses about, sorry, I was, I was thinking of something else, but, 
Uh, so disregard that. But uh, yeah, so it's a legal, a legal thing here. Jesus is claiming legally, I bear testimony of myself. So I, I, but I can't do that by myself. If some crazy person just goes out on the street corner and starts claiming I'm Jesus Christ, I'm Jesus Christ, you shouldn't believe him, right? So in addition to my own testimony and the the miracles that I've been doing, in addition to that, I have another being that is testifying of my validity as well. And that's God, right? So his word should be good just by itself, but it's both God and Jesus. So now you've got two, now you've got double, you know, not double, but now you've got these two, but one divine beings that are both testifying in concert of themselves. Oh, okay. So it, yeah. And John five thirty six. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to, to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. So is that kind of it? Yeah, so the Father's words were, you know, this is what's going to happen, these are the prophecies. He said that that was what was going to happen. Now Jesus Christ is here doing them. And so that was a way for God to, in advance, uh, testify of who Jesus was. And so this oh. is all from a very legal perspective. So he may not have technically been on trial here, but people would have been interpreting everything through a legal, like, is he, is this all being presented properly? Okay. And the other thing is Jesus needed to come down and mention all of this and tell them, look, from a legal perspective, God's testifying of who I am. I'm testifying of who I am. These miracles that I'm doing, the Torah testifies of who I am you need to go check that for yourselves. And if I am who I am, then you need to come back and worship me, right? That's what Jesus is saying. And so he is giving them no room to wiggle out of this and say that they didn't know or that they couldn't have known or you didn't give me enough of a sign, you didn't give me the right testimonies. The, the, the Jews of this day and age have zero excuse to not know that Jesus Christ uh, was there in their midst and the Jews today don't have that excuse either. I mean, they they have even less excuse. Well, they're not even less, but they have they have the knowledge of Jesus Christ as well, it, given to us in in the New Testament and everything else. I think the 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 Jews today are kind of dealing with cognitive dissonance too, because of like mm -hmm. the way that they're they're. Uh, I'll, I'll just put church community. Um, they basically go off of rabbis, and and so yeah. they they just kind of listen to this rabbi, and and then that rabbi kind of confirms the next rabbi and says the same things, confirms the next rabbi says the same things, and so they're in this huge echo chamber of all these lines of rabbis all saying the same thing, and so when you have so many different um, you know higher up rabbis saying you know that that G like it's crazy. One of the things that they say is that. In um, Isaiah, like 53, where it was like he was um, bruised for our iniquities, he was pierced for our transgressions. They say that that has to do with uh, Israel, but like, so it's like Israel is paying for the sins of Israel, but Israel's always referred to as like a woman, like in yeah. a female sense. And so it, it it's just, it's weird that they they actually come up, like you said, with like, their brain glitches and they come up with like these almost like 
throwaway excuses for like, oh, you believe that that's Jesus. Well, no, we actually believe because of this rabbi that it's the, the nation Israel paying that was bruised yep. for their iniquities and pierced for their transgressions. And the, they'll point to all of the hardships and the heartache that um, they've gone through and how they've been like a like a torn up country for a really long time. And so it's it's funny they come up they they do have these roundabout um, ways of reasoning that like all the scriptures that point to Jesus they're just like oh no well that's actually this and it, it's yeah well it's, they, it's just interesting. So uh, the the Jews are in a really a really tough pickle. So the the entire Old Testament and the entire system of religion that the Jewish people followed uh, required the temple. Okay, require or mm. or the um, tabernacle. So before the temple, there was a, a portable temple called the tabernacle, and so um, in order for their whole system to even work or make sense, they need to have a temple so that they can do the sacrifices. And so, since the temple got destroyed in I think seventy A.D., when the temple got destroyed, that destroyed their ability to practice their religion, and, and so they had to radically transform judaism from uh i think it's called temple judaism to rabbinic judaism but even even under temple judaism they had a they, they were uh, uh, the jews were very very careful not to speak from their own authority okay so you'll see uh, a rabbi in jesus time you know oh, sorry you'll see jesus say i you know I, he speaks from his own authority he is making definitive statements about religious matters which is not something that any other rabbi would would have done, and I can't remember the way it's phrased in the Bible, but you'll oh, see throughout like... the Gospels, you teach with such authority. You'll see them. You'll see the other people saying that about Jesus, and it's because uh, no one else taught that way. No other rabbi could teach with the authority of God, and so they would all claim, "Oh, well, the rabbis say," or uh, "the Torah says." So, so a teacher, a rabbi other than Jesus, will say. The Torah says this. They won't say, I say this. Jesus says, I say this. And then he'll use the Torah as backup. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, you have heard it said, blah, blah, yes, blah. There but we go. I say to you. Yes, exactly. And so he'll, you'll have heard it said is what the Torah teaches. And he's not, con he's not contradicting that statement. He's adding to it. You know, the Torah says that you shouldn't, you know, lust after your, your neighbor's wife. Well, Jesus says you shouldn't lust at, sorry, the Torah says you shouldn't have, uh, you know, sex with your neighbor's wife, basically. You, what, 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 what God commands is that you shouldn't lust after her in your own heart, right? Like the, the commands that Jesus was giving were even more strict. And he was able to do that because he is God. But that was also something that the people around him would see. And if you don't believe that he's God, you're going to think he's blaspheming. Because he's teaching from his own authority and not from that's, the authority. Yeah. That's weird because if you made it stricter, why would that be blasphemy? Uh, because you're, you're changing the Torah. So oh. uh, you, you think you're good enough and you're smart enough to come in and add to the Torah. It would be like if you tried to add, let's say that, you know, you tried to add a verse to the Bible. It would be the same thing as that. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? Like, who are you, Austin, to come and add a verse to the Bible? Can you just like just imagine if you had tried to do that? I would be justly upset with you, right? So these people were <laughs> unjustly upset with Jesus because he is the the creator of the Bible and of the Torah. But you know that's so 
you know, and, and so we see that in in Judaism at that time, but that's that's the case today. When you talk to any Jew, they're not going to tell you that they've interpreted the scriptures. They'll say this rabbi interpreted this, this rabbi interpreted that, and they'll go back to rabbis a thousand, you know, two thousand years ago at the time of Christ almost. So they are not claiming to have their own understanding. The Jews have to cl- have to stand on top of other fallible men. So that's what that, that I don't remember exactly where that came from, but where that. So I'm not sure if I finished off that thought, but uh, it, so it, going back to the 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 Jews with their with their um how they're practicing today, I basically talked to one that we know, and basically I was like, so what do you do because there is no sacrifice? And the response was, well, you follow the law. And my my thought was immediately, but you've broken the law, so what do you do now? <laughs> and so, you know what I mean? So you can't, like, the whole point of the Ten Commandments or just the laws in general was to show you that you're, we all fall short of God's standards and we're all guilty before God in need of forgiveness. And so if you, as a Jew, cannot get forgiveness with God, then you're already, like you said, in a pickle. Mm-hmm. So, like, what do you do now? Do you start following the law after you've already broken it? Well, what good does that do you? You know what I mean? So Exactly. It's, it's, it's like, you know, I'm going to stop jaywalking after I already committed murder. Hopefully that makes up for it, right? Like, no, that's not <laughs> how that works. There's no amount of jaywalking you you won't do in the future to make up for the murder you committed in the past right so yeah you're 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 totally on point yeah all right so let me see if there is um anything before we move on into our our clips um oh oh do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For mm-hmm. if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But you do not believe his writings. How you, how will you believe my words? So is that implying directly that Moses is over here accusing, um, uh, or <laughs> inadvertently accusing them because he wrote like what he they should look for, and they're not seeing it once they've had have it. He is making a, an incredibly inflammatory statement. He's basically saying that <laughs> all these people that have dedicated their entire lives to studying the Torah, to studying what Moses wrote, to living the way that he he that God commanded them through him, he's saying that you you need to reread what you what you've been reading and see that that's testifying of me. And so he's making a very inflammatory statement. And again. What he's doing is he is calling upon the authority of someone that he knows that they respect and saying that that person's testifying. You should look at the way that that person testified and then compare that to my testimony right here in front of you. How do those things compare to each other? And if they're the same, then you need to bow down and worship me as your Messiah. And that's what they should have done. And that's what they should have recognized. But because they didn't, he could justly rebuke them for, you know, not not following what they should have been doing. Okay, I could see that as because uh, they're all about the Torah and they're all about Moses. So I could see that that would be that would really upset them. <laughs> yes, he basically everything that Jesus is doing is either complete blasphemy if he's not who he claims to be, or the fulfillment of the Torah and the law and the prophets. You know what I mean? And so. Either they're going to be incredibly upset with him or they're going to bow down and worship him. Unfortunately, for the most part, 
the especially the scribes and the Pharisees, the most learned of the scriptures of the time, didn't end up following him. It was the the dirty and the wretched, the tax collectors, you know, those kinds of people were the ones that ended up actually following him because they understood that they're so bankrupt and, and horrible that they need a savior. Whereas the Pharisees thought that they were okay because they were sons of Abraham. They thought they were okay because they had the Torah and because they were reading it and because they knew it so well and because they were following its you know commands perfectly, they thought they were going to be counted as righteous before God. And so even what, 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 people, what a lot of Christians don't understand is that the Old Testament saints, the people who are in heaven, who existed and lived before Jesus Christ, they're saved by Jesus Christ as well, okay? They understood the promise of a Savior, they trusted in God for it, and he will count them as righteous through the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made, the same way that you and I are counted as righteous through the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. And so, you know... Those people all would have seen Jesus, would have seen the miracles that he did, and they would have responded appropriately, right? So King David would have understood that. Solomon would have understood that and seen that. And so the fact that the Jews around him didn't was a judgment upon them and something that they have, that they're having to pay for for eternity, unfortunately. Um, what, what just popped up into my mind is... Um... Uh, like the parable of the banquet. Um, I just looked it mm-hmm. up. I think this speaks perfectly to this. It does. Um, so this is Luke fourteen sixteen. But he said to them, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of, for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. So the servant would be Jesus, and Jesus is inviting everybody to come into the kingdom. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Um, And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel the people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. (laughs) Yep. That's cr- so it's Dude. it's basically like he 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 invited all of his his uh his Jews and the Jews said uh nah and made a bunch of excuses yep. and so he's like all right fine and then I'm going to go get the the Gentiles then <laughs> and so you're not going to taste my banquet that's crazy. Exactly. Oh, well and, and and not just the Gentiles I'm going to go get the unclean and unworthy Jews, right? The tax collectors, <laughs> the 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 worst of the Jews and the Gentiles. So like and and that, yeah, that was the perfect. That, uh, that's exactly the right parable for what we're talking about. That's that's a hundred percent what happened. So good, uh, good call on that one. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. So yeah, that's it's, that's it's funny that the master of the house or the kingdom is is Father God, and he sent his servant to invite um, to invite people, and those that he invited basically said no, and so that it's it's it almost breaks my heart a little bit. Like that, they wouldn't even recognize their own Messiah. Like, yeah. And so, what my my question is now is, if if okay, so so the Messiah that they were looking for, what would that have looked like? 
Like, so the, was the, it all yeah. the same? Sorry, go ahead. That's okay. Sorry, I cut you off. The, the Messiah that they were looking for at that time was a man who was going to come and uh, basically lead them in a revolt to go against the Romans and kick the Romans out of Israel. So they didn't want... They, they, you have to remember, they thought that they were good. They thought they were righteous before God because of their lineage and because of the fact that they have the Torah and because of the fact that they were doing sacrifices at the temple. So... Probably more than just that, but at least those three things gave them the belief that they were already taken care of and they didn't need a savior to come save them from an eternal consequence. They needed a savior to come and save them from a temporal consequence to get them out from underneath the boot of the Romans. And so mm. that's so what they were looking So, you know, that's why everybody was excited when he came into Jerusalem. They were like, oh, the, the Savior's coming into Jerusalem. He's going to kick out the Romans. And then when he didn't do that, ultimately they get upset and crucify him. Oh. So that, that's what they were hoping for. They were hoping for a warrior king to come in, take the throne of David, and then, you know, go to war against the Romans and take, you know, maybe not take over the Roman Empire, but at least get them out of, out of Canaan, right? Get, get back their, their territory. But that's not what Jesus was going to do the first time. And so they're not. And again, they weren't wrong to look for a savior to do that. We our savior is going to do that. The The Old Testament prophecies that we have of the end times uh, are very are, are not very. Uh, I wouldn't say they're very clear. Nothing about it's very clear, but they are clear enough that they should have been able to see that, like, there was going to be one. There's going to be uh and the reason they have two saviors, not two, not two saviors, two messiahs, is because one of them was going to unseat the current political powers and the other one was going to suffer and die. And so they just, they couldn't see how that was going to be the same person because they probably couldn't understand the resurrection. A lot of it, they couldn't fathom that a servant could suffer and die and then overcome death to then come back later and kick out the political rulers that were, uh, you know, subjecting them to, to evil rule they just had it backwards it was you know two different comings of one messiah not one messiah and yep. and or wait yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> two different comings of two different messiahs instead of one two different comings of the same messiah yeah so yeah it's it, it's it's sad uh it, it's it, it's very amazing though the the jews at the time that responded to the call. I mean, all the disciples were Jews. All of the first Christians were Jews. Most of, if not all of the people that were saved at Pentecost were Jewish. Uh, you know, there, there's all of the earliest Christians and, and all of the, the Christian writings that exist are Jewish. So, you know, it, it, he came back for them first and then we get to kind of eat of the crumbs, right? You know, the, the story of the woman that comes to Jesus and, and says, you know, don't even the the the, the dogs, dogs get, get some to crumbs eat from the table. Yeah, and so we're we're those dogs as Gentiles, as, as people that weren't given the the promises that that Abraham was given. You know, that's where we're we're blessed and lucky to even have a a seat close to the table. And you know, it's it's interesting the how wrong the Jews were about their own purpose. So. Obviously, especially at the time when you're being controlled by the Romans, and, and even to, to till today, but uh, you know, especially at that time, they hated Gentiles. Okay, 
what the purpose of Israel and the purpose of the Jewish nation is to to declare God's righteousness to the Gentiles and to bring them uh, to show them, you know, what that's supposed to mean and, and have them come and worship him. But the Jews hate the Gentiles. They, they, they think we're dirty and gross and disgusting and that we're not worthy of God's love and kindness and mercy and forgiveness. And so it's, you know, it's, it's just sad how the people that were given everything that you could possibly want to, to look for the coming Messiah couldn't see it, you know? Yeah, and it's because religion got in the way, you know. Yep. And instead of, that's why that's that's why it's really important to me that um, you actually take God's word and read it for yourself, and don't mm-hmm. just completely take everything on. Like even if you're in a Protestant church, like even one that I would go to, like I, I which we are Protestant Christians, right? And so I I, I really recommend that every Christian, like the Bereans, ser- search the scriptures actually mm-hmm. read the passages that are being preached to you and and understand where they're coming from because every once in a while somebody gets something wrong or says something that isn't true so uh, basically the way you can eliminate all of that um uh misinformation or something that mm-hmm. could be presented to you in a wrong way is take the truth of god's word and actually just read it for yourself because if yep. you have god's word in front of your face there's nothing in between you and god there so don't always rely if you're a sunday christian and that's just <laughs> what you do <laughs> make sure that you're actually in god's word there's 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 blessings when you read his word actually reading it for yourself and like applying that to your life and not just waiting for another man to preach on something you know Amen. Well, and and I think we discussed this earlier. That's that's why it's so important that there isn't a separation between priesthood and laity. Okay, the the fact that we are all priests, that every Christian has an equal standing before God, that we we all have one mediator, that is the man Jesus Christ. That's so important because when somebody gets up on in the pulpit and says something that's wrong, I as a Christian, okay. I have the right and the obligation to challenge that man. Okay. If someone, if you're now, there's a right and a wrong way to do it. Depending on what the the person's saying, you don't necessarily stand up in the middle of the service and shout heathen be gone with your vile teachings. Right? Like (laughs) that's, that's not necessarily how you're, uh, you're supposed to, um, you know, go about checking your, your pastor, but as a priest, you have a right to, after the service and with much respect and, and care, look through, search through the scriptures and go present to your pastor how you think that they're wrong. And then after you do that, and then if they keep making the same kinds of errors, then you might kind of search for a new church. But because we all have that equal footing, we all have an equal standing before God, I have the right and the obligation to, to check my pastor. He doesn't have the right to rule over me with an iron fist which is the way that it's presented and portrayed by basically every other denomination outside of evangelical Christianity. Yeah, and so we're, at the end of the day, if you're not Jesus Christ, you're a fallible man. So it, you you are uh, open to making errors, you're open to misconstruing something, and then taking that error and, miscon- and that thing that you misconstrued and shoving it out into the public and so there's there's times when you can actually make an error and then there's things that we disagree on when it comes to like 
you know, pre-trib, post-trib, different things with eschatology mm-hmm. and just different disagreements. But that's why, again, it's important for you to take God's word, read it and come to your own conclusions and then bounce those ideas back and forth with like um, people that you respect, your pastor, different people at your church, your Christian brothers and sisters. It's important to read God's word and then share what you believe with other people. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, you know, it's it's incredibly important that you make sure that you're in the scriptures, that you know what what your pastor's teaching, that he's teaching something that's biblical. And, you know, it's it's really sad the the different denominations and the different, you know, even I would say different religions that rely on like like the Catholics, the the priest. And then, of course, the pope is the vicar of Christ, vicar that vi, the V.I., uh, word it's like vive and revive and it means life okay they are christ when they're saying that the pope is the vicar of christ they're saying that the pope is christ on earth right now during the mass he takes on christhood okay in as part of the mass and so you know when this person now speaks to you and tells you something that has a different weight to you than if they were you know just a pastor which is what they really should be right they're the the whole trappings of uh, the Catholic church and a lot of other, you know, high, it's called high church. A lot of, a lot of high churches, um, they, they're just wrong. And they, they have too much of a solidified caste system where there's priests and then there's the lady. And then even in the priests, there's different layers. There's the priest and then the bishop and then the cardinal and then the Pope. And, you know, there, there's all of this, there's all of these people that they set in between you and Christ, and that's just completely wrong. There is no separation. There is nothing that keeps me from communing with Jesus Christ 100% as much uh, right now as I am when I'm in the sanctuary at church or, you know, any other time of my life. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I've even I um, went to, um, I occasionally, because my dad goes to um, a Lutheran church, I... Um, uh, basically they use that word vicar for their, um, not, not the actual like pastor mm-hmm. or the, the guy that preaches, but when, when somebody is like apprenticing to become a pastor, they call that the person, the vicar. So the way it was explained to me is like, that's their, uh, priest in training or their, or their, uh, pastor in training. So I'm, it, you can see where, like you said, that, that caste system has like trickled down into other denominations from like the Catholic church, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And again, I don't know as much about Lutheranism as I do about uh, Catholicism. Um, They're not quite heretical the same way that the Catholic Church is. If they are, you know, I'm not going to claim that the entire Lutheran Church is heretical. I will claim that about the Catholics, unfortunately. Uh, But, you know, it's it's just sad when human beings, it's just sad the fact that human beings don't want to be responsible for themselves and so we 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 shuffle off that responsibility to other people and we try to put we really want a human being that is capable of looking us in the face physically and telling us that our sins are forgiven that's what we really 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 want as humans and the way that god set it up we don't need that what we needed was we needed a savior to suffer and die in reality about two thousand years ago so that we could then put our faith and our trust in him and have assurance of our salvation, not some other human being coming up and, you know, splashing me with water and saying my sins are forgiven. Yeah, they um, they do that in the Lutheran Church, too. But uh, the way they'll put it is um, 
like um by like something like the power the power invested in me and on the authority of jesus christ i declare to you your sins are forgiven you or something like that so it's less of like they have the authority and more of like they're just declaring it but i i can do see um i basically i just know my sins are forgiven if i if i if i profess with my mouth that jesus is lord and i um believe that the father raised him from the dead then i just know that i'm grafted onto the vine you know i'm in the family of god to all that would believe in him he gave them the right to become children of god and it's basically i see all throughout scripture there's nothing in between me and jesus Mm -hmm. and so that's that's why i just don't uh, for me personally i don't need somebody to tell me my sins are forgiven i just know that's the case you know (laughs) yep so well and and you know one of the things that happened as christ died is the uh the veil so there was a giant curtain that existed between the outer like sanctuary space of the temple and then the inner what they called the holy of holies and so it was this giant and when i say curtain i don't mean like uh it it, it was thick it was was like (laughs) it, it was it was like inches thick okay so imagine like inches thick curtain and what happened as jesus christ died is the veil was torn okay so this veil supernaturally ripped in half and so all of a sudden the holy of holies in the temple was exposed to the rest of the temple and and symbolically to the rest of the world and and what that means is that we have direct access to god through our 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 savior jesus christ there is no veil separating the the rest of us from god and from his holy of holies the the you know, what it says in, in the New Testament is that we are the temple, our heart is the temple, it's the temple's inside of us. And so we can and have our, that direct. Our yeah. bodies are the vessels of mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. Exactly. And so we don't need, I don't need another man, I don't need someone else interceding on my behalf, anyone other than Jesus Christ. That's the only other man that, that's involved in my salvation. Yeah, from what I understand... Um, the devil is constantly accusing um, the brethren mm-hmm. of sin, and then Jesus is our advocate, constantly saying, "Well, that's mine, and he's forgiven." <laughs> so he's um, he's <laughs> something like that. So I'm I'm not sure, you know, how that works exactly as far as us being accused constantly. I know that we will be accused, or we would be accused at the judgment uh, at the time of judgment. Um, but I know that what Jesus is doing right now is he is literally taking our prayers and transmitting them to God. That, that is his job right now, is to hear our prayers and to ensure that those get passed along to God the Father. And, and so we know that our prayers are being heard because Jesus Christ is the one that's is the only barrier between us and, and the Father. And so it's not even oh, okay. really a barrier. You're, I think How you're does... right. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think you're right about what you said, uh, but I'm, I just, I'm not 100% sure if... Satan is currently accusing us, or if technically he will accuse us, or he's going to be the one accusing everyone at the end, you know, at the trial at the end of, or the beginning of eternity. But yeah, sorry, I'm probably confusing people. So <laughs> I no, apologize. you're fine. We, uh, we, we are all gonna stand before God and give an account of our lives and every word that we've said in public and in secret. Everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done is going to be opened up and you're going to have to give an account to God about it. And so basically, 
the Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So mm -hmm. he paid for your sins, but that's if you are in Christ. So that's why, again, I urge everybody to put your faith in, in Jesus Christ because there is a judgment coming. We all are going to have to stand before God. And the, the what is it, the book of our life is going to be opened up <laughs> or something like that. And so it's um, basically... I. I don't want anybody, it's called like the second death, you know, you die on earth and then if you go before the Father and you're not in Jesus Christ, you're going to be cast into the lake of fire. And so that's, I don't want that for anybody. Yeah. God isn't willing that any should perish, but mm -hmm. all that would, you know, repent and have eternal life. So his, the gift of God's pardon is free for everybody. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's not going to cost you anything, uh, just examining the the bible and the testimony of jesus christ and in the gospels that god was really man and really god and he came down and lived a perfect life and died on our behalf and he gives that to anybody you know like i said it earlier to all that would believe he gave them the right to become children of god and so you know again john three sixteen is uh, god gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe shall not perish but have eternal life and so all that god is asking is that we just believe in him and acknowledge him and and repent of what we're doing and call on him so it's not like you got to go and sell everything you have and you know do all this crazy stuff and make a pilgrimage to jerusalem like like islam with mecca and stuff like that there's really all he's asking for is your faith and for you to turn from your sin and, and put mm. like basically to stop doing things not to <laughs> do anything well but. and you know and and stopping from sinning isn't going to save you more it's what you should do as a as a responsible christian as someone who is taking on the name of christ you should work to be less sinful every day that's part of the sanctification process uh, so jesus justified us before god he he took on the weight of the guilt of our sin that's called justification that is a thing that has already happened you, everyone who is in christ jesus is already justified those of us who are Christians currently, but not in heaven yet, we're being sanctified. We're getting a little bit more Christ-like every day. And then ultimately when we die or when we get raptured, we will be glorified up into heaven and we will be with, with God in glory. And it's, it's just such a wonderful promise that we have, you know, that, that we don't have to be perfect here and now, but that we need to be working towards it and that, you know, as every single day we're going to be doing a little bit more and more good in the world through Christ, not, not through my own power, but that through him, I can start doing good works that because I'm saved, the response that my soul has is to start doing good things to honor my master, you know, Jesus Christ, right? Like that's, it's just such a beautiful system that the works aren't what saved me. They're an outflowing. They're a, 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 a they're a proof that I have been saved, right? Like, and it's just so yeah. It, it's so crazy how so many people have that just slightly twisted, you know. There, there's so many people. Every other religion thinks that there is some amount of work that you that God needs you to do in order to be saved, and it's just like God doesn't need anything from me. Why would a creator God ever need anything from His creation? That doesn't even make sense. When He created and provided everything, why would He need something from you? It's just the same as like God doesn't need your money. You yes, know what I mean it's a uh, that's part of it. That's part of what God created. He created the plants that take the nutrients out of the soil to make the cotton that then gets, you know, made into a dollar bill that then gets printed on it. And now, you know, like God made every part of that process. He doesn't need me to give him 
that dollar. He wants me to do it as part of the, the commands that he gave me, but he doesn't need it, right? And it, it is a way for me to be a part of his plan. It's a way for me to be able to, to partake of the, the good things that he's doing and so that I can have that. But it's a benefit to me that I'm allowed to be part of God's plan, that I'm allowed to work and to minister to those that are around me. That's a, that is a, a benefit that I have as a Christian, not a like, a lot of people might see it as a burden, but it's not really actually supposed to be a burden. It's supposed to be a blessing. Okay. All right. Um, we have about, I'd say, five more minutes. Yep. And um, I think we should get into our clips right before we go. Okay. That sounds good. Um, yeah. If I can get that up here real quick. Oh, beautiful. And it's nice when things. <laughs> You've written an article. All right. And I will play this in three, two, one. That's called The Five Miracles That Atheists Believe. There's five miracles, which is, I talk about in my article. Mm. Uh, the miracle of the origin of the universe, and then the origin of stars, and the origin of life, the origin of the diversity of life, and then the origin of meaning and morality and intellect. So these are the five broad categories. And within those, there's actually more miracles too. So, but there's five basically, basic categories of miracles that they have to believe in. Um, okay. Yeah, and so that uh, it's funny how that kind of lines up with some of the stuff that I've been seeing from uh, Joe Rogan. And then there's another YouTube channel called Ask Joe. Uh, I made a video where they said that uh, there's one miracle that science has to believe in. Uh, Joe Rogan literally said that there's there's one miracle that, you know, science says believe in rationality and believe in, in math and all that other stuff, but give us this one miracle, and that's creation, or that's where, you know, where did all the stuff for the Big Bang come from? Uh, and then this guy... He's there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then so uh, this gentleman from uh, Creation Ministries International, you can go check him out. I think it's creation.com, possibly .org. But uh, what he's saying is that it's even worse than that for, for scientists and for people that believe in science. There's actually five broad categories of miracles that you need to believe in in order to be an atheist. <laughs> okay, so we're not talking about uh, th these are atheists that have to believe in miracles. And so the first miracle is either that the universe has always existed or that it came into existence without a creator god. Okay, so that's that's one miracle that that scientists have to believe in. Uh, another, like he said, is the creation of or the formation of the stars. So uh, again, literally up until about two weeks ago, we thought that the um, universe was only thirteen billion years old from a scientific perspective. And so, if it's only thirteen billion years old, and there's literally a galaxy that's older than that, we don't actually know how the stars formed. We are guessing at how the stars formed. But that's all based on the fact that the universe is 13.8 billion years old. <laughs> so oh. when it's 26 billion years old, then we no longer know how the stars formed. So that's the second miracle that, that an atheist needs to believe in is that stars would form, that we would live in a universe where stars could, ha where stars could form, where gravity is the right uh, strength so that nuclear fusion can take place but it's not too strong so that it burns out too quickly or it's not too weak so that the star never has enough 
you know, and it doesn't uh, nuclear fusion or yeah, nuclear fusion never takes place. So that's the second miracle. You know, he lists all five of them. Um, and basically what, what it's, what it's saying is that atheists have to believe in miracles as well. They do not have all the answers. They'll claim that they have all the answers. They think that they have all the answers, but in reality, there are gaping holes in their understanding that they don't have answers to. There is no answer for how life formed out of goop. Okay. So if I just take a bunch of goop and go set it in a pond, it's not just going to randomly order itself into DNA that will be able to construct an eye. Okay. That, that just will not happen. There is no mechanism that human beings understand that could even cause that to take place. We just have to believe by faith that that's what happened. Does that make sense? What happens is mold. That's what happens. That's like, <laughs> well, that's the but, thing. <laughs> but that, but that's only happening because there was a spore of mold that got into that. Uh, oh man, are we getting uh, that alert system? Are you getting it too? I, I am not. That's interesting. Oh, now I am. Apparently, we all got the alert. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so. You know, uh, the the only reason that the mold forms is because there was a spore that got into that water that then uh, replicated itself a billion times into the uh, into that into that that mold that you then see. But it didn't just spontaneously come out of that puddle. Does that make sense? Because oh, what, sci what okay. science is is claiming is that there wasn't a spore, and that just out of nowhere. Uh, life just started emerging from that puddle. That that's the claim that science makes is that you you mix up the right chemicals, you mix up the right stuff, and out of that you do that a trillion times. Out of that is going to be life that comes from it. But there there is no mechanism that we understand for that to happen. So the it, it, okay, you know how if you leave your milk out for a week it spoils. Yeah. Okay. Well. If you leave the building blocks of life out in nature for any amount of time, they disintegrate and they, they spoil, okay? And so the, for you to have, let's say that there's, I'm just going to call them A, B, and C. There's building block A, right? We have building block A, it exists in the puddle. Well, then a week later, building block B shows up, but building block A disintegrated, okay? And then a week oh. later, building block C shows up, but B disintegrated, so you have to have all A, B, and C together at the same time in order for life to even have a chance. And what science is claiming is that A, B, and C all show up at the same time in the right conditions for them to be useful. And then the box gets shaken up, okay? And then the box gets shaken up, and instead of your SpaghettiOs all spelling out random letters, they're saying the SpaghettiOs all show up in, say, a specific uh, book, Okay. You shake it up, you shake up these chemicals, and from these random chemicals, we get more information than is in the longest book that's ever been written by a human. Okay, so that, that oh, is... Oh, the DNA. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the literal claim of a scientist today. They believe that the chemicals A, B, and C, and D, E, F, all the way, there's thousands of them. So it's not just three. There's thousands of chemicals that all have to show up in the right form at the right time with the right temperatures okay and then they can then we can start shaking the box then we can start shaking the box and hope that a fully formed 100 percent cohesive novel comes out of that 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 is the miracle 
that science believes in for the formation of life. And unfortunately, it was never explained to you or to anybody at a public high school the way that I just explained it to you, because it's exactly that insane. Yeah, that um, it that sounds that that sounds like you're taking a leap of faith there to believe that. <laughs> exactly. So, as Christians, what I think we should do is we should look at the actual foundation of truth that we have, the Bible, for the answer to these questions. So we have an eyewitness testimony of what happened at creation, what order things happened in, where human beings fit into that creation. There are there are so many things that we get beautifully handed to us that to then throw them out the window like they're garbage is, is, is crazy to me. And so, as a Christian, we believe we have a first-hand historical record of the the universe basically and so we should we should treat it as such so it's fun to read for me from a scientific perspective you'll see plenty of of scientific truths that exist in the bible uh the best one of them is from job job claims that the or sorry god i think it's god in job claims that the earth hangs on nothing okay so everybody thinks that the ancient people all thought that we lived in a flat earth couldn't be farther from the truth the ancient Greeks, about three or four hundred years before Christ, uh, had determined within like a five or ten percent accuracy the diameter of the Earth, and wow. like so, like this whole flat Earth thing is actually a relatively new concept, and so human beings have known that the basic understanding of the universe forever. We just have decided to throw out knowledge that we had in the past because we think we're better today than than those old dumb people. Oh, interesting. So, um, I don't think we have time for that second video that I, I shared. Maybe we'll we'll get to that one next week. Because yeah, it we looks like we're at about two hours and five minutes right now, and I think that's a great episode. I've had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, this was a good talk. We had a we had a lot of discussion on on the Bible stuff, and the, the, a lot of sometimes we'll have uh, lengthy discussions on things outside of the Bible. But this one was a, a lengthy discussion about the stuff that we were doing with the Bible. So that that was good. Definitely, definitely. So, uh, you know, just keep my friend uh, Kevin in your prayers. You know, just to kind of wrap that up. Um, you know, he's a he's pray a for really the salvation cool of Kevin and pray for the mm -hmm. recovery of his mom Anna. Yep, absolutely. Thank you, much appreciated. He appreciates it. I, I really appreciate it too. Yeah, definitely. I'll, was, uh, uh, I'll pray was with it... my wife as soon as we're done. Thank you. Was there uh, anything else you wanted to say before we start wrapping it up? No, well, um, I'll, I'll play. So I made a short the other. Oh, okay. Uh, you made a short the other yeah. week. So, Perfect. Uh, we can play that next episode. No, no, and no. We'll play the. No, no. Let's, let's do it right now. It's only a minute. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I wanna, I wanna see your stuff, man. I'm excited. All right, all right. Let me find it. Um. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take an extra few minutes to watch your, your short there. I don't want to hog all of the, uh, short time. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's totally fine. I, uh. Oh, nervous. I never, I never play my stuff. Right. <laughs> well, you haven't had stuff to to play yet, so I'm glad that you're working on it. And you know that's uh, that's a a big re a big part of how channels like this grow is cutting out different stuff, and you know us both getting successful independently, right? So that's one of the one of the things that I generally subscribe to. It's not always true, but uh, what what they say is that a rising tide lifts all boats. And so you go down to a marina, and you'll actually notice that, uh, 
when you're at a marina where ships are docked, the uh the the dock floats, right? And so the the posts that it's uh anchored to uh actually it, it rises and lowers um with the the tide. And so even the boats and the dock itself all rise with a rising tide. Very cool. All right, I've got I've got this uh, short pulled up. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was just vamping while you were getting that set up. All good. All right, guys, this is uh, the first short that I've made um, with with pure Christian content on the channel. Um, I, I got a uh, so much stuff going on in my in my personal life that uh, I I have time uh, the next couple of weeks, but. October 23rd. I don't want to get specific, but I'm going to be um, doing some school stuff so that I can get certified for an apprentice job that I'm trying to really hard that hoping I, I, I've, I have faith that God is opening up this door for me. And so um, I just need to do my part and make sure I have all my ducks in a row. And um, so I got this school thing I got to do, but that doesn't start until the 23rd. And then I'm going to be super busy. Amen. Uh, so just pray for me guys that uh, I get my uh, employment stuff worked out because I have a job right now, but I'm trying to find a, I, I have somebody that is sticking their neck out for me to get me a better job. So, well, you've got a, you've got a job. You're looking for a career is what it sounds like. Yes. Yes. That's exactly it. Beautiful. All, all right. Here we go. I'll, I'll be praying for you about that and uh, everybody else should be too. <laughs> yes, please. I appreciate everybody's prayers. All right, so I got, let me see if this will play on the first go. All right, three, two, one. Can you sense that there's more to this reality than what you can observe with your natural senses? If so, I want you to know that there is in fact an afterlife and you do have an eternal soul. If you've made many mistakes like me and you seek forgiveness and a fresh start, I'm here to inform you that there is hope and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. The gospel or the good news is that in the Bible, God's word, it says in John 3:16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It means that if you turn away from sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ, that God will wipe your slate clean and grant your eternal soul to be with him in heaven for eternity. I urge you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Good job, dude. That's sick. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I hadn't, I, I, you know, I think I skipped out on that uh, end screen. I don't think I've seen that before. That's good. Here, I'll, let me. Let me I like that. it. Nice, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's spectacular. So, you know, you've done some video editing before, but would you say that you you've had a lot of experience with it, or was that kind of your first? No, I mean, I've done a couple shorts uh, for like less than five. I'm mm -hmm. still I'm still pretty new to this, but I use CapCut and then it's pretty easy. I'm getting I'm getting a little bit better at it. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was using Adobe uh, Adobe products before um, and they don't really have the same kind of at least not easy effects the way that CapCut does. So I've been trying to figure out how to put those into my uh, videos a little bit better. So. Please let me know when it's too much. Anybody that watches my shorts, <laughs> um, I, I would very much appreciate you letting me know if the effects are too much. But I think you did a spectacular job with that. The the sound and the effect all kind of lined up perfectly. So just uh, just re really good job, dude. Keep it up. Thank you, thank you. I had uh, the, like I I positioned um, uh, I think I, so. I positioned the uh, the bass drop 
right when it says hope and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And then I put uh, uh, like an effect right there. <laughs> so it was cool. <laughs> Perfect. That's awesome. I, I try to do that kind of stuff. I, I don't think I always have it work out the way that it should. So, uh, yeah, dude, that's awesome. Keep it up. Um, and yeah, so uh, keep an eye out for some more shorts and stuff that we do on Faithful Dialogues. I've been making a couple here and there. Um, I'm sure Austin will as he has time. So yeah, awesome. Thanks everybody for joining us today. I think we're wrapping it up. Yes. All right. So my name is Austin. You can find my stuff at um, MYTH Official. It's uh, more humble than you, and it's a, just a Christian joke because that's just not how humility works. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so it's M Y M H T Y Official, and um, yeah. And then you can also catch my stuff here on uh, Faithful Dialogues. And I was doing this episode with my buddy Ryan. Yeah, my name is Ryan, and uh, you can go check out all the stuff I do personally at uh, org. Uh, so it's as it is written over on YouTube and basically everywhere else. And uh, yeah, so also I just want to say you can check out some of the other stuff that we do at FaithfulDialogues.com. So you can see all the different places where we post our content. Usually it's the same stuff that we do wherever you're watching us right now. But if you're listening to the podcast and you want to see our uh, visual stuff, you can go find all of that at FaithfulDialogues.com. Or if you're watching and you want to add us as a podcast, uh, the podcast works on every podcast player. Uh, so that's going to be FaithfulDialogues.com. And uh, you can just search for Faithful Dialogues. So thanks, everybody, for showing up. If you have any questions for us, be sure to text us at 833-262-6431. Uh, we're really uh, hopeful that you reach out to us. And uh, if you have something going on, you need some prayer, like my buddy Kevin Please, please, please reach out. Please let us know. We'd love to pray for you. Uh, I'll blast it out to the thousands of followers that I have over at AIW, and I know that that uh, Austin will will reach out to the, to his fans as they start coming. So uh, yeah, we really want to uh, to pray for you and to pray with you and and to help you bear those burdens. We really want God to help you bear the burdens. Is ultimately how it works. And so yeah, I th all right, everybody. I think we're ready to all head right. out. Goodbye. Have a good one, you guys. Have Goodbye. a great week. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Repent. Trust in Jesus.